How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. We'd like to welcome you once again to Biblical Christianity. My name is Terrence Brownlow-Dindy. I'm the director of the Texas School of Preaching. My name is Mornay Stefanis, and I'm an instructor at the Texas School of Preaching. And my name is Tom Moore, also one of the instructors at the Texas School of Preaching. Definitely appreciate it whenever you have the time to be with us. Good to be with you, gentlemen, as always. Today, we've got a kind of a special podcast going on. We're in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. We've enjoyed a week of polishing the pulpit, and the crew up here at Gatlinburg has been so kind to us to allow us to use their studios for the podcast on today. So we want to extend a, a thank you to the Gatlinburg Church of Christ so very much for that. And it's just good to be able to be here talking about God's Word, man. That's what we love to do. We've been looking at a series of lessons that are basically based out of Jeremiah chapter 6, verse number 16. Stand ye in the way and see, ask for the old way, or ask for the old path, where the good way is, and walk therein, and you shall have rest for your souls. And so back in Jeremiah's day, Jeremiah was very interested in encouraging God's people to get back to doing things the way God wanted them done. And so we're emphasizing the exact same thing in our day and age. We know that principle stands sure, has never changed. God always is interested in us, making sure that we do things his way. So we've talked about areas such as authority, getting back to Bible authority for what we do and everything, really word or deed, Paul says, right? In Colossians That's chapter right. 3, yes, sir, in verse number 16 and 17. And then also we've talked about morality, and today we want to focus on the family. We want to take a look at doing family the way God designed it and intended it for it to be done. Yes, when you look at society and you look at the morality, the immorality that's commonplace in our society, we have to look at the root causes. What are some of the root causes? But I think if we're honest with ourselves, we have to go to the home. You know, the home is the chief shaper of society. It's not only a place where a man can find a companionship when they can, where they can find loyalty. God created it, the home, intrinsically to be a shaper of society. Now, the shape society takes, the, the course that in which it walks is going to depend on the morality in the home. If it is founded on God's morality, then society will, of necessity, be more godly. But if it is founded on Satan's morality, on his principles of unrighteousness, then certainly society will be what we see it today. So this reminds me a little bit of Hezekiah where uh, he was sick and he prayed to God mm -hmm. vehemently that he could live longer and God says yes you can and when he was so excited about that he brought everybody in to see everything he saw there and it says there in the phrase there what have they seen in thine house mm -hmm. and so what we need to ask ourselves in trying to help society is what is God seeing in our homes is he seeing godliness? Is he seeing the type of husbands you ought to be, the type of wives you ought to be? Is he seeing the type of parents you ought to be and the type of children you ought to be? And so we ask the question, what is God seeing in our house? That's it. Like you mentioned a moment ago, Brother Mornay, as goes the home, so goes society. 
But I'm afraid of what we are seeing in the church these days is as goes to society, so goes to home. So many homes in the church today, by the time, are being infiltrated and permeated by the ideals, if you will, the thoughts and the paradigms of the, of the world, rather than the world being shaped by us. We know that Jesus Christ tells his apostles in Acts, excuse me, John chapter 17, whenever he's praying to the Father, he says, I don't pray that you take them out of this world, but that you protect them from the evil. The aspect of the idea there is they have to be an influence. Jesus Christ referred to his people as salt and light. And we understand this age-old adage or cliche. We understand what salt does is designed to influence what it comes in contact with. We think about light is designed to influence what it comes in contact with, darkness namely. And so that's our job as God's people. But in so many instances in the family, we've allowed what is going on in the world, the, the temperature of the world, if you will, to affect what is going on in our homes. Yeah, I think it's interesting, you know, statistically speaking, according to the Barna Group, and, and we understand that statistics, you know, when you look at it, you, you have to be circumspect about it, but I think it paints an overall picture. Uh, you know, the Barna Group uh, determined that 73% of Americans identify as Christians, and I use that term mm-hmm. in uh, how they use it, mm-hmm. just generally speaking, and 80% of American families own a Bible. But only 55% attend church services, and only 31% are classified as practicing Christians, meaning they actually practice what they believe. Even more disturbing, they say, is that only 20% of these so-called Christians read, listen to, or use the Bible. And so what we have in our society, especially when you look at the American society, uh, what you have in society is a lot of people who may believe in God, but they, they do not adhere to the things of God. Mm-hmm. You know, so they have this superficial mm-hmm. concept of, 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 of religion, and that has trickled down, as, as, as Terrence, as you just mentioned, it's trickled down into the body of Christ, where we, we can see that there's a lot of members of the body of Christ who truly are Christians because it agrees with their social worldview, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, they're not, uh, there's, it's a superficial level of Christianity, mm-hmm. and the result of that is obviously uh, a, a degradation of morality, not only in their homes, and then in the church, and then also in our society. And we're talking about a while ago about <clears throat> what does God see in the home? Well, what's really important also is what do our children see in the home? Because they are the next parents they are the next husbands they are the next wives and so when a child is being raised up in a family where there's little God in there Mm -hmm. not much godliness at all Mm -hmm. they're gonna be raised up the same way you know our our Nate you know how many uh, I think you were telling me the other day about how many 80% of all the people who are in prison come from uh, families who have no father in the family yeah let me give you some of those statistics wrote some of those down as well there was a Focus on the Family video that was put out a few years ago called Irreplaceable, and it's mm-hmm. talking about the absence of the father in the home and, and some of the, like you mentioned, some of the adverse or negative effects of that. Fatherless homes are responsible for 71% of high school dropouts, 71% of teen pregnancies, 85% of children with behavioral problems, 90% of homeless or runaway children, 63% of youth suicides. That was one that was particularly disturbing to me. 85% of all youth in prison come from fatherless homes. Yeah, and this, so you look at those statistics, man, they're absolutely grueling. Yeah, and, and when you consider, you know, I don't think the world necessarily understands, but certainly us as, as, as Christians have to understand or ought to understand 
the critical nature that uh, that everyone plays in the home. When we go back to Genesis, Genesis chapter two, verses twenty-one and twenty-four, you know, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and He took his one of his ribs and closed the flesh thereof, and, and the rib which the Lord uh, the Lord which rib which the Lord God took from man. He made uh, women, and he brought her unto man, and said, "This is now." He said, "This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man." And so, therefore, shall a man leave father mm-hmm. and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they two shall become one flesh. Essentially, eventually, they're they're going to become father and mother, and this is the foundation of the home. You know, when the Lord taught in Matthew nineteen three to six, He taught the Pharisees about marriage, and He talked to them about what constitutes a scriptural marriage in the sight of God, he did not go to the old law, to the law of Moses in, under which they were currently. He went all the way to the beginning That's to right. show them mm-hmm. that the law of marriage, the, the law of the home, has is, is engraved in God's morality. It's not arbitrary. It has always been the case. And so we need to understand as we're talking about morality in the home, we need to go back to the way God has instructed us mm-hmm. to do things. So when, a, when children are looking into the house, what do they need to see? Well, one of the things they need to see, and as we've talked a lot about a little bit here, is uh, they need to see a husband mm-hmm. who is the head of the wife. You know, in Ephesians 5 and verse 23, it says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, being himself the Savior of the body. As you mentioned a moment ago, if a, if a family does not have a father, a husband involved, there's going to be great difficulty. But I've seen some families who have fathers who are not acting like a father, who are not the head of the house. And uh, he, he, he wears a dress instead of the pants in the house. Sure. And when, they don't, or his, when he is not the head of the house, mm-hmm. now, you can't treat treat them like dirt or walk all over them but you need to realize God said in the very beginning the man is to be the head of the house and when that's missing there's going to be difficult in the family and look we know that God is infinite in wisdom first Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 17 and so whenever God has arranged or designed something to function in a particular way then we can take it to the bank. That is the best way that this thing exactly can be right. done. And so I think a problem that we have in our society, in fact, a problem that man has had, had almost from the beginning, is thinking that we outwise God, yeah. a little bit wiser than God is. Well, God said do it this way, but certainly if we do it this way, it would be a little bit better. I mean, mm-hmm. we see that as early as Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. It's not that Eve did not understand what God expected of she and Adam. Matter of fact, she articulated it very nicely to Satan. God has said, we can eat of the trees of the garden, but of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So it's not a problem with information. It's a problem with a willingness to comply with what it is that God expects of us. And in the home, if God designed it to be one man, one woman for life, Mm -hmm. if God designed children to be born into the union of a married couple, a legitimately married couple. If God designed a husband to be there, the head of the home, if he designed the parents to be those who bring up their children in God's nurture and admonition, and that is the way this thing needs to be. And we look at our society today, and again, the, the audacity and the arrogance of man says that uh, we can formulate a, an alternative lifestyle or an alternative style of a home rather than the traditional style that that word is used as an insult look down the people look down on the traditional home and look at what it's done to our society 
man, we just read some statistics, and these are these are our factual statistics. Should we call it traditional or biblical home? Right? Biblical, <laughs> biblical exactly. Christianity, I guess, that would be appropriate. Mm-hmm. You know, when we consider then, as Terrence just mentioned, going after that, that individuals are starting to live together. Uh, in fact, mm-hmm. there are many uh, who say one, one statistic reached that cohabitation now. Uh, it's more about economics and procreating, not so, uh, not so, cohabitation used to be about economics and procreation, not so much anymore. Living together is now a milestone of adulthood. Mm-hmm. So the idea when you get, uh, when you become an adult, there, there's now that we're moving in together, right? We're not even getting married. We're moving in together. Oh, the milestone is now he gave me a key to his apartment mm-hmm. or she gave me a key to her right. apartment. And so marriage, uh, the concept of marriage has been eroded according to uh, one research group, 65% of Americans uh, uh, agree with cohabitation. Mm-hmm. They agree with the idea that you can just live together and not have to get married. So they, if er- they have eroded the, the foundational principle of the home, where it's a, a husband and a wife, it's two individuals that God has brought together in marriage, mm-hmm. they've eroded that principle and have expected no negative consequences. And as we've seen, this is, this is not how it works. Well, you know, when you cohabitate, then you feel like you got to easy out. You just leave, right? That's exactly right. Well, the problem, that, one of the reasons why that's occurring is because getting back to the husband, the husband is not loving their wives like they ought to. Mm-hmm. You know, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for it. Mm-hmm. Colossians 3 verse 19, Husbands, love your wives, and be not bitter against them. Mm-hmm. And so the marriage relationship and the family involved will be a whole lot better off if a husband will just come up to the plate and love their wives like they ought to. And if the, the boys in the family see that, then they're going to in turn start treating their wives the right way. But when they see a, a daddy who is beating on the wife, who's a drunkard, who doesn't, who just lays around the house all the time, doesn't do anything, Guess what's going to happen to the next generation of boys? They're going to be the same way. And not only that, the girls as well will be adversely affected yes. because they won't know what to expect yeah. in a man. And so we see that so much. And so every little aspect, every little uh, functionality of the home, the way God designed it is important. And there's none, no part of it. It's, it's like an engine, man. If you put an engine back together... After you've taken that thing apart, and I don't know much about engines, but I got enough common sense to know this. I took this thing apart. You know, there are no spare parts laying around me, but I took this thing all apart, and then I put it back together, and I've got six or seven spare parts still laying there. After I'm th- I think I'm done, something's going to be wrong Something here. Wrong, yeah. <laughs> this thing's not going to run the way it needs to. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, when you talk about, as, as Thomas has mentioned, you, when we talk about the role of the of the husband, the role of the of the wife, the role of both parents. Mm-hmm. These are these are roles that God has given the home to benefit the home, for the home to be what He would have them to be, uh, have it to be. Mm-hmm. Another aspect of the home is that of education, specifically as we talk to Christians, uh, biblical education. I want to read to you something for for us to consider when it comes to biblical education. You had mentioned this in a a lesson you did about you know the church is not the only place where your child should receive biblical education it should be in the home the church should be a supplement Bible class should be a supplement and so if if they are faithful in attendance let's just say they are faithful in attendance from from the time they're in cradle roll to the time they leave uh, for college they get about four hours a week of biblical education that is 
208 hours a year by the time they leave home at age 17. That is plus minus 3,500 or 3,500 hours or 147 days. That's roughly four months. That's four months of biblical education. If they are at every service from uh, cradle roll all the way to the, when they leave uh, for college, four months. That's all they're going to be getting if, 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 if the only Bible they get is, is at the church building, is at the, uh, when Bible study is happening. And so when you consider that, a combined education, Bible education of four months, and then we send them out into the world, and then we wonder why they fall away. Sure. Education in the home is critical if, if we're going to stem this tide of, of immorality that, that, that takes place in the home and that trickles into the, to the body of Christ. Education is going to be critical. Exactly. You know, think about uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, mm-hmm. beginning in verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, Jehovah our God is one Jehovah, and thou shalt love Jehovah thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be upon thy heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in the house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be for frontless between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the doorpost of the house, and upon thy gates. That is where most homes are missing the the boat. They are not filling their house with God's word, and they are allowing the church to do all of the child raising, the rearing, the, the Bible information they're giving, they're allowing that to occur, and they're missing out on so much. They need to be able to see mom and dad praying, praying together as a family. They need to be studying together as a family. They need to be see, see dad in the morning with his Bible open and a cup of coffee, reading his Bible first thing of the morning. The kids need to be seeing that and being raised up with that kind of atmosphere. That's exactly right. What both of you guys are saying resonates, or at least it should resonate, uh, so strongly with Christian families. I was at a youth day in Florida a number of years ago, and one of the speakers mentioned this a sheer numbers game. This thing is not rocket science. It's a numbers game. If you look at the figures that you just communicated just a moment ago, four months, if they're going to every Bible class Sunday, Wednesday, the the uh, totality of that is going to be about four months of biblical instruction and they're not doing what you just mentioned that the bible says they need to do that we need to do as parents deuteronomy 6 verse 4 through 9 and then we couple that with the fact that they're sitting in these classrooms and this got to be talked about today they're sitting in these classrooms that are increasingly uh, secular by design, yes. intentionally. And so our kids are being pumped full of secularism. They're being pumped full of, of evolutionary atheism. They're being pumped full of the homosexual agenda. And I'm telling you, they're being pumped full of these things. They're being pumped full of these these notions of everything anti-biblical. And that is going on in the classroom of public school settings about six hours a day. Well, do those numbers. Figure those numbers compared to what you talked about where Bible class is concerned, Bible education is concerned, and it just stands to reason that we are going to lose our kids. I heard a statistic a number of years ago that we were probably losing about 83% of our children these days in the church. We can't get them into adulthood faithfully. As soon as they turn 18, they leave the house, they go sit down in a college classroom, they're gone. They're gone. Even if they don't sit down in a college classroom, wherever they go, they're gone 
and I've witnessed this on the congregational level in some places. Man, as soon as our kids graduate, they're gone because they're, because of that ratio that we just mentioned. They're getting a lot more of what Satan is peddling than they're getting of what God has taught. And so it stands to reason that we're losing so many. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people always lament. Uh, I've heard people lament so many times that, you know, they've taken God out of the school. They've taken God out of the school and they, they lament this issue and understand uh, more or less what, where, where that sentiment comes from. But we have to consider this. It's not the school's job to teach your children about God. It was Sorry. never their mandate to teach them Sorry. about God. Uh, you know, and when we consider this, the school being what it is, the, the, the public school systems, and we see this more frequently now. There are people even in the, in, who, are, who profess Christianity maybe loosely, uh, people who have not, not so much a, a, a stake in, 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 in God, if you will. They don't necessarily desire to serve Him. But even they can see the writing on the wall that what is happening in our schools is a concerted effort to indoctrinate children to hate God, right. to hate His That's Word, right. to hate His ways. And, and this is happening in so many schools. And we, would, we used to think that if you, it was a small school in a rural town, mm. it may not happen. But uh, I've heard reports where it's even happening mm. in, in these smaller schools right. and where you have these teachers who are, who are so... Uh, they hate God so much and they just can't wait to get into the classroom and tell your child to hate God. Now you couple that with the fact that you're not teaching them at home. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen? Yeah. You know, our, our children are quick to pick up hypocrisy. We tell our children that the most important thing in the world is the Lord and His church. And yet, families will be riding down to the church building for worship on Sunday and all the way down to there ridiculing the elders or jumping on the preacher or they make their kids stay home on a Wednesday night because they're going to have a test the next day. They have all these things and the kids see that and parents say, yes, the Lord's important. The church is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And yet they see their parents not fulfilling that very thing. They they, they can see that. They're not dummies. And as a result of that, they're going to grow up thinking, it's not all that important. That's exactly right. And you allow them to have more influence from the world than the church. Mm-hmm. That becomes problematic. Most definitely. And again, not only are they going to detect the, the hypocrisy in that, but they're going to be adversely affected whether they want to be or not. That's mm-hmm. just the way things go. Solomon would ask the question in the book of Proverbs, I think it's in chapter 5, if my memory serves me correctly, can a man take fire into his bosom and not be burned? That's a legitimate question. Yes. Paul says something very similar in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 uh, when he talks about not being deceived for you know corrupt companionship or evil companionship corrupts good manners. That's just the facts of the matter. And parents, I tell parents all the time that we've got to, to match the effort that is being put out there. Like you said, the effort to indoctrinate our children with this secularism and this atheism is so strong, and I don't think we're matching that in the Lord's Church, and and that obviously will result in us losing more of our children. Yeah, you, when you consider the what they're trying to promote, and and it's only compounded when we do not promote these things in in our home. But it's further compounded when you consider that individuals, what individuals or parents allow in their home. You know, uh, Jeremiah said, Jeremiah 6 and verse 15, 
uh, were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Mm -hmm. No, they were not ashamed, nor did they know how to blush. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, children don't uh, know how to blush anymore because of what has been allowed into the home, mm -hmm. what is being viewed on television, what children are allowed to, to view, what they are allowed to listen to. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and the children then now have become desensitized to immorality. They've become desensitized to immorality, and as Tom says, they not only become desensitized to immorality, but on Sunday morning we're driving to services, right? Yeah. And we're, we're going to worship God, mm -hmm. but through the rest of the week, I'm watching uh, shows that are contrary to God and, 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 and feeding them those things. There's bound to be a problem, and, and, and some parents really need to take a serious look at, at what they are feeding their children, not only from the Bible, but what, what are they giving them? What are they allowed to, to consume on a daily basis? Sure. Yeah, it's, it's vital for uh, the parents to set the proper example in all these things. Uh, if uh, our parents are not going to be teaching them the Word of God, then they're going to be learning this stuff from uh, secular education, right? Sure. It's critical that we uh, realize that uh, children have a very, at a very early life, they learn priorities. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, it's critical from the very beginning of a child's life to set the tone. That's right. You know, he said, we said, well, when they were, parents were at a certain age, I'm going to be faithful when I get older in life. Mm -hmm. And how many times I've had, how many times have we had parents come in our office crying because their kids are unfaithful? And yet they had been unfaithful for such a long time. Now they come back and they can't get their kids back. There you go. That's, that's such a good point, Brother Tom. I've read studies that say you have a window of about, two to 11, yeah. about two to 11 is mm -hmm. going to be that window in which you are able to shape your child's, uh, some things about their personality, but definitely a lot about what they believe ethically, or morally, or spiritually. It's gonna be shaped mm -hmm. within that window of two to, two to 11 years old. And so we need to think about that. And we need to take the thing very seriously. People have done studies here that sometimes I think we just don't take seriously enough as the Lord's people. Absolutely, unless the Lord build the house they labor in vain who build it, Psalm 127 and verse exactly. 1. We, we certainly, what we need to do as, a, as, as Christians, if you talk about biblical Christianity, what we need to do as Christians is realize that, you know, there's going to come a time, uh, hopefully there does not, if we can stem the tide, but there was a righteous nation in Israel, mm -hmm. but, and, and they were doing righteous things under Joshua. But as soon as you get to Judges, the Bible clearly says Joshua passed away and, and those of his generation. Mm -hmm. And there arose a generation that knew not God. It was not the case that they did not know who Jehovah God was. Mm -hmm. They knew not God in the sense that they have forgotten his principles and they have forgotten how to worship him correctly or refuse to worship him correctly. And the result from then on onward is apostasy. They would have good moments here and there, but it was a full-scale apostasy. And we... We need to recognize that and, and try to stem that uh, tide uh, that's happening in the body right now. That's it. As, as we close here, because our time is up, something to go along with that is you also saw segments and periods of reform. Mm -hmm. We need to be in a, a period of reform right now. There's times where you had kings like Hezekiah, kings like Josiah, who sought restoration. And that's what we need to seek for today where these things are concerned. But we appreciate you if you are visiting with us on Biblical Christianity. So glad that you are here with us. Uh, this study by no means exhausts the 
aspects and the issues that concern our homes and some of the dangers and detriments that we're trying to ward off as God's children. But uh, we hopefully maybe we'll be able to visit this again at a, a later date. But thank you so much for being with us on Biblical Christianity. Thank you very much.